The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30 chair. He'll reset with 20 seconds to go. He gives it up for McDavid. He's got a breakaway. Pulls off centers. What time is McDavid and Dreisaitl for the winner in overtime. What a finish. And the Oilers finally have a winning streak. Another overtime decision. 3-2. They knock off the New Jersey Devils. McDavid, the burst of speed, the cutback, the feed to Dreisaitl who drives home the dagger, and the Oilers improve to 6-8-1 and one on the season. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 8-13, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Good to have you tuning in tonight. So the Oilers tough out another overtime victory, and man, Rob, what an overtime, first of all. It, it, you just felt like where the Oilers were going to find a way to get one with all the chances they had. But the, the game-winning goal, I mean, you did such a great job breaking down the goal on Tuesday when it was Dreisaitl McDavid. This time it's McDavid to Dreisaitl. It, it was a great play by McDavid. In this, and We talked about it, Bob and I, just a second ago. You, you can't expect a forward to be able to play against McDavid in open ice, especially in a defensive positioning. And McDavid got the puck around the red line. He had full speed. And there was absolutely no chance for the New Jersey Devil Ford. And McDavid just drove. And what we saw earlier in the game, it was Stafford came in and he had cross, came in across the net, and Nurse did not come over to help. Stafford went across the crease, scored a goal. And Bob and Jack talked about it. Nurse has got to lend support. Well, on this play, McDavid's coming in. He looks like he's about to come across, and it's Moore. Comes over to take that away. As soon as he does that, McDavid stops. And dry settle the late man coming in has no one on him because Moore left him to come over to where McDavid was. McDavid makes a little pass and dry settle has a wide open net. No chance for for the, the goaltender to get over there. Schneider is completely locked in on McDavid. So it, it was a it was a great play by McDavid, realizing that he had pulled two defenders over with him. He has the goaltender staring right staring right at him. And now he knows dry settle is going to be wide open. Area pass, dry settle skates into it. Wide open net game is over. The Devils did have a good scoring opportunity in overtime. Hall to first overall draft pick Nico Heeshear back to Hall and no shot materialized as a result. You, you know, and, and Jack was saying after the game that Heeshear probably tried passing because it was Hall playing against the Edmonton Oilers. That's not the case. No, players don't think that. It doesn't cross their mind. Sometimes players try to pass to the star. They feel they're obligated to. I don't think it was that either. I thought it was the right play. I thought that the Hall passed the puck over to Heischer, and he's on his forehand. It's not a one-timing situation. He's too far out. He's on his, his forehand side. He stops the puck. He has the defenders coming over. Talbot did a great job coming across. He closed off very quickly. If Taylor Hall stops, and we, we drive that into kids all the time in hockey practice, stop in front of the net. If Taylor Hall stops, that pass is on his stick, and he's got a wide-open net with no defenders. So I thought it was the right play. 
I think Taylor Hall made the mistake by not stopping in front of the net. Interesting stuff. Okay. And then the, the Oilers just owned the overtime after that. I mean, Nugent Hopkins, I, I don't know how he didn't uh, finish the game. Maroon had a brilliant chance right in front. And how worn down <laughs> were, were Hall and a couple other guys that were on there for about two minutes? Well, it's funny. We didn't get a chance to see all those replays because the overtime just went continuous. And there were so many great chances. And then the, the, the fantastic overtime goal that I don't even know how it, it, Nugent Hopkins and I don't know who was out there with him. Strong, I'm not even sure because it was just uh, constant action. They had four or five plays right in front of the net. And the, the poor New Jersey defenders were absolutely exhausted. They weren't chasing anymore. They were standing still. The Oilers were just circling around them. And it was just a matter of time. And it was funny. One New Jersey player, was they got the puck out, was able to get off. And the new New Jersey player that came on the ice, I'm not even sure what player, I think it was Gibbons, he looked like he was Connor McDavid. He was so much faster than his two line mates because he was fresh, and those two had been out there for a minute and a half. That's what happens in overtime. The team that has control of the puck dictates the pace, and they were able to change on the fly. Three on three, so much ice to cover, and defending is way more tiring than if you're on the offensive. All right, you can get a hold of us at 780-496-0063. I'm just going to ask you to hold for a, a little bit longer here because we want to go back to New Jersey. Here's tonight's overtime hero, Leon Dreisaitl. Leon, you guys have uh, back-to-back wins for the first time this season. How nice is it to get that monkey off your guys' back? Uh, yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, obviously we, we dug ourselves a little hole, and um, you know now is the time to get back out of it. Um, I think that uh, again, another another pretty solid effort uh, throughout our, our whole lineup, and every every line contributed, and um, you know that's how you win on the road. A lot of talk about structure uh, this morning. Does it feel more rewarding when you guys actually you know do what you said you wanted to do, executed the game plan? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know that's our game plan. That's the way we want to play. That's our identity, and and, and um, you know again, that's the type of hockey that we want to play. And um, I, I thought we. Uh, uh, we did that for the most part tonight. Did you know that pass was coming from Connor? Or did you just expect we're now playing with him so much? Well, um, you know, we feed off each other and we try and read the play. And, um, you know, I just tried to tried to get to the far post. And, um, you know, he made a, a, a heck of a play there. All right, so that's Leon Dreisaitl, the overtime winner. McDavid and Russell with the assists. The other Oilers' goals tonight coming from Slepeshev and Lucic, and unfortunately, Slepeshev doesn't f- finish the game, so injury woes continue to dog him. So more question marks about the Oilers' lineup going into the next game, and we'll talk about that as we move along tonight. 780-496-0063. We'll start off with Robert on the line. Hey, Robert. Robert, we can hardly hear you. There's some noise there in the background. Are you uh, are you able to move to a quieter spot? I can try. Huh? Okay, let's try now. Can you hear me now? That's a little better. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I just uh, have a couple thoughts tonight. I think it was uh, obviously nice to see the Oilers finally get a two-game winning streak. But, I mean, it's uh, like Gucci just said. You know, they had, had to weather a storm early at yeah, for sure, Robert. You're coming through pretty quiet there, but definitely the first 10 minutes of this game were owned by the New Jersey Devils. They got a goal from Brian Boyle. Talbot made a couple of good saves. 
I mean, then later on in the period, New Jersey missed an open net tap in that would that would have made it two nothing. So it, it wasn't it wasn't the start the Oilers wanted, but just just enough to to not let it get out of hand. Again, one of those games like the game in Chicago earlier, they never led in terms of any gameplay time, but but they get the overtime decision. Well, we, we saw this record many, many times last year is Cam Talbot gives them a chance to win. And they've got enough offensive players that if it's a low-scoring game, you you got to feel that they've got the better chance if you put our stars versus their stars. So uh, Cam Talbot's given them a chance. He, he, he's been locked in. He had a little slow start to the beginning of the season. But si- since then, he's been excellent, and he's been absolutely lights out on the road. As it's two goals or less, it seems, every time he steps on the ice on a road trip. So if you're only giving up two goals and you've got star power of a Nugent Hopkins, a dry, subtle McDavid, you feel that you can get three, especially if you get into extra time. So Talbot with 32 saves. The shots were 34-32 in favor of the Devils. Talbot's 200th career appearance, so he gets the W out of that one. The Oilers with three goals means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation coming from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. What they do is give $25 for every goal throughout the season and the total, which you can follow on 630ched.com slash Oilers now up to $950. The three stars, Rob, tonight, Brian Boyle, don't have a problem with that first goal of the season yep. after battling uh, leukemia. He actually played his first game of the season in Edmonton, so a nice touch there. Leon Dreisaitl, the second star. Nugent Hopkins, the third star. Rob and I give out the fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, we just talked about it. I thought Cam Talbot was excellent. He, he is um, the main reason that the Oilers had an opportunity to win this hockey game late, is he kept the Oilers in, and as Bob and Jack talked about it, he never let New Jersey extend a lead. And because of that, the Oilers were always just one shot away. Lucic got that shot in the third period. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Cam. Hello, Cam. What's going on, fellas? Not too much. Boy, everybody's in a good mood tonight, eh? It was a fun game. Was it ever? And the Raptors too. I was watching the Raptors game too. What an unbelievable game against New Orleans too. So, pretty good night here. So, you know, uh, I was just going to ask you guys. I, I noticed. I noticed tonight that it it almost felt like the team gelled. I'm not a big metaphysics guy. I'm not. I, I'm not big on the whole, you know, things happening. And I just, I think you go out, you play, you put your skates on, good teams win, all that. But I felt like tonight it, it's almost like everybody got into their role and did what they needed to do. And there was a, they deferred to the fact that we have superstars, but they didn't shrink back. I thought everybody did their job, and at the end of it all, when it was needed, the superstars came through. It reminded me more of a team like an Anaheim when they're when they were successful, or a team like even Carolina when they were successful when a couple big boys came through. Good saw goal thing. So am I? Am I a little bit out on that one, or did you guys notice something a little, a little bit more of that tonight than usual? Uh, to me, it was it was last year all over again. Is what it was. It was the Edmonton Oilers from from last season, uh, a team that gets solid goaltending that covers up for any lapses that happen, and there's going to be that. Uh, some secondary scoring, which we saw late in the season when the Nugent Hopkins line was very good, 
and then your your star players come through at the big moments, what Dreisaitl and McDavid did time and time again. So this is exactly how the Oilers were successful last year. The Oilers weren't the, the to me they're not a team that wins games six three or or, or seven four. The Oilers were at their best when they were winning two one three two hockey games, because they've got. Uh, two players that are you can't hold down, and if you keep the other team to two goals, I like our chances, especially when you go to extra time. So uh, I don't even know if you have to compare it to another organization. To me, I compare it to the Oilers of last year when they were successful. 3-2, the Oilers get the overtime win. Let's go back to New Jersey. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. The game plan to see how well the team execute that and stick with the game plan that you guys laid out for this one. Well, there's no such thing as a perfect game, and we weren't that tonight. But we, uh, I thought after we found our legs, we weren't real sharp in the first 10 minutes. But once we found our legs and started to uh, to get moving on the ice surface, we were a little bit better and uh, showed a, a lot of character in coming from behind. Uh, finding a way to uh, to crawl back into the game. The penalty kill was good. Uh, so there's signs of uh, of improvement in a number of areas. I thought we checked well, got some pretty good goaltending. So uh, those things all add up and give you a chance to win. And uh, tonight we're fortunate to, to come away with it. Sense of relief to at least get a winning streak. You can't you can't get out of this hole unless you start winning. No, you, you need one, and, and you got to put two together. We've done that now. Um, rest and, and play against another good team. And... Uh, you know the the margin of uh, of winning and losing right now is such a fine line for our team. Um, you can see it again tonight how far the game had to go to to find the win. That uh, we need everybody playing at the the best of their ability until things start going our way a little bit in and around the net. In the three on three, like they've got to play three and a half minutes of the of the three on three. Are you as a coach, are you just saying, okay, it's only four forwards going out, and if, and if we're pinning them in, that's the way it goes. Well, they're. They're pretty dynamic. One can skate, you know, a minute and a half into a shift, and he's still fast. The other one knows how to hold on to pucks and 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 conserve energy. And other than a, a short flurry, we had the puck the whole time. So you're not as uh, fatigued, you're not as tired in those situations as you are defending. And we were lucky enough to catch them out on the ice for I don't know how long Taylor and Heisher were out, uh, you know, two and a half minutes. So. We were fortunate to do that and then to get some fresh guys out and, and get our rotations in. So it, it worked in our favor. They didn't really have much going in the first two periods. That, that with Leon and, and no, Connor. They, they, the other team gets in the way sometimes. Sometimes they're good. And, and uh, you got to give uh, Jersey credit. They had two or three lines that were playing against them. They played against them tight. And uh, they checked well. But when teams focus their, their checkers and their... You know, checking D on on Connor's line. That's when others have to pick up the slack, and we saw that from Nuge's line tonight. Get hurt again. Slop got hurt again. Boards or what happened? I don't know. He's hurt again. He looked pretty good there for two. Really good, but you know, it's kind of the story right now with him. He gets uh, he gets rolling, and uh, something happens, and he gets a setback. So we'll have to get him health again. Likely up. All right, so Slepeshev gets his first goal of the season in the second period, but then injured, didn't finish the game. So that second-line right wing continues to be a tough spot for the Oilers. It doesn't sound like Drake Kajula is going to play on this road trip. We'll see if he can get back in the lineup once they, they get back home. So that's a, that's a problem for the Oilers. Having said that, Nugent Hopkins, a couple of assists tonight. Lucic had a goal and an assist. He continues to have some tough moments inside his own blue line, but he gets on the score sheet and... Uh, you know, we always track Nugent Hopkins' face-offs. He, he took 23 of them 
first of all. So they keep putting him out there. He only won nine tonight, so his percentage will drop a little bit. But despite that, and I, we should say Nugent Hopkins won several shorthanded faceoffs, which the important helped the penalty ones, yep. kill go four for four. I, I thought Nuge had a really good game, and I think he continues to have a very consistent season. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he's He looks like he's faster. He, he's making smart decisions. And you look at Connor McDavid has had the benefit in, of playing with Drysaddle. Drysaddle's had the benefit of playing with Connor McDavid, and they and, and Maroon compliments them well. Um, Milan had didn't have a strong start to the season, and they've had a, a carousel of right wingers this year. So Nugent Hopkins has been driving that line on, on some nights by himself, and the season point total is quite good for a guy who's got nobody on the right wing that has done anything for him this year in Milan Lucic who has struggled at times so uh, RNH has been very very good and I think that sometimes you overlook little things such as winning big face-offs on face uh, on penalty kills I mean the New Jersey Devils have opportunities to extend leads in this hockey game and they're on the power play in the offensive zone and five seconds later, they're chasing the puck back because Nugent Hopkins' big face-off win. So he was excellent. There's a number of players, top to bottom tonight, that played very well for the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers get the 3-2 overtime win over the New Jersey Devils. If you're on hold, stay there. We're going to bring you in after a quick 8.30 news and weather update so we give everybody as much time as possible. Some secondary scoring is tonight's adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Mentioned Slepeshev scored. Lucic scores on a 2 on 1 to tie it 2 2. 321 into the third period. Fired it right between Corey Schneider's legs after taking the pass from Nugent Hopkins. And yeah, the Oilers had the first two power plays of the game. Then the Devils had four in a row, including three in the second period. And the Oilers able to kill all of those off. Uh, what just quit one really silly penalty by Larson on. Yeah, one of them. Not smart, and those are the ones that usually come back to bite you, so the others were very fortunate. There. Yeah, grabbed a guy after we lost his stick and then just grabbed a guy around the neck and brought him down. But the Oilers figured out a 3-2 overtime win over New Jersey. We're coming right back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chance. Heischer pulls it free. Reed calling for it. Heischer weakly over to Hall, then back to Heischer from beneath the goal line. Two all, we're in OT. Heischer hard to the hole, spin, shoots, sprawling right pad save made by Cam Talbot. So Talbot, another stellar performance in net. The Oilers beat the Devils 3-2 in overtime. That's your save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Dry sidle from McDavid, the game winner at 4.43 of overtime. That was one of the few chances for the Devils in over, overtime. The rest of it controlled by the Oilers. Nugent Hopkins had a couple of chances to win it. McDavid flipped the puck over the net. Maroon had a chance in front. And then finally, McDavid sets up Dreisaitl for the winner. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 8.33. You can get us by calling 780-496-0063. And we have Rocket standing by. Hello, Rocket. Hey, how you doing, guys? Very good, thanks. I was uh, supposed to play hockey hockey today at uh, Russ Barnes, formerly for the old school Edmontonians, uh, Santa Rosa Arena, just uh, east of Rexall Place. But uh, 
the Oilers were playing tonight, so I had to bail on the boys. I apologize, boys. I'll be there next Thursday. <laughs> uh, what a game. This was this was absolutely amazing. It was a mirror image of the other game, except uh, instead of uh, McDavid scoring, it was Dreisaitl scoring. So, um, like I said before, Gretzky Curry, keep them together. That's all I got to say. Have a good night. All right. Appreciate it, Rocket. Well, I, th- I think they will keep them together. Because they, they don't have a lot of right wingers, <laughs> so they, they think they pretty much have to keep those. And again, if I, I don't expect Kajula to be able to play Saturday, Slepeshev, I now don't expect. No. I mean, you bring him back, and and uh, and he plays just over two periods, so they may go. Jujar Kara is struggling. That maybe they go eleven forward seven D on Saturday. I mean, we'll we'll see how it looks. I, Malone and Latestu had one shift combined in the third period. Well, well, two things on that. One, I, I think you call someone or up. Or call somebody up. Whether yeah. it's Pulu Yarvi or what's... Or Rad. Rad. So the, one, of the, one of those two guys, I believe, gets called up. I don't think he goes seven defensemen. I think you need somebody that you can put up into a top six role, someone with offensive pedigree. So I think you need to call someone up. Uh, but the other thing you talked about was the shifts of Latestu and Malone. There was, what, a minute and a half to go in the game, and Malone's first shift of the third period in a tie game with a minute and a half. He's out there with Packer and, and Malone, and I can't even remember who the... I think Strom. I think Strom, which was a little confusing at first. I'm like, okay, why is this guy... Because I know what it's like to sit on a bench and come out. Your legs are fried. Like, you feel like you're, you're skating in quickstand. You're going against uh, the, the Devils put out the hall line. But it, now I'm sitting here thinking, well, I know why they did it now is because they knew that... Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Drysdale were going to play the entire overtime. <laughs> so we're resting those those three guys for the last minute and a half because they're going to play for the whole five minutes of overtime. But yeah, it was it was a little surprising uh, late in the game. Malone being out on the ice, having sat on the bench probably for about half an hour of real time. Uh, but he came out, was did what he needed to do, and the Oilers got to overtime. And once you get to overtime, you can more or less call it a victory for the Edmonton Oilers. They're three and one in the extra session this season. Now six, eight, and one on the year. They have won two in a row for the first time all season long. We have Matt on line one. Matt, thanks a lot for calling. Oh, no problem, Reed. I'm glad to hear that one. I wasn't able to listen to the game. I'm driving up to Calgary right now to go home and near Lloydminster, but. I do want to just talk something outside of the game. Um, I know Bob was saying in regards to the Reinhardt trade this past week that if they knew the expansion rules, probably would have done it. No one knew it. First off, no one knew what the expansion rules were at that time. So, of course, you probably wouldn't do it because no one knew expansion was even going to happen. But secondly, the problem with the Reinhardt trade wasn't that they traded spot for Barzell in the second. You know, you have to make trades sometimes to improve a team, and that's fine. And those are the assets available to you, do it. The problem is what they traded those assets for at the time. Griffin Reinhardt wasn't, he was trending down as the bottom, he was trending as a bottom pairing defenseman, not the fourth overall draft pick. And the Oilers traded those assets as if he was the first, the fourth, like that, he was still trending as the fourth overall draft pick, and that wasn't the case. So that's the issue there with that trade. And as a result, we've kind of had this hole on defense now where we've got to overpay Chris Russell, who's a fine D-man, a good player, but probably isn't worth the contract that he has. 
it's kind of left the hole and kind of left the roster in flux as a result. Like, now we lost the Everlay trade. We have Strom, who's now we don't have the secondary scoring that we once had. So it's kind of these compounding factors. So I just wanted to talk about that. It kind of sat with me this week as a, a bad outlook on the trade. It's not that the trade occurred. That's fine. Teams make trades to group rosters. That's okay. But it's what they gave up for a guy who was trending as a very unproven NHL player. Yeah, that's so, a fair comment. I mean, there was certainly there were question marks about uh, Reinhardt at the time, and I remember being a little bit surprised when I was at that draft uh, covering it for sure. So, I mean, you can't, there's really no argument to say that that worked out for the Oilers because <laughs> no. there isn't. Uh, uh, Strom for Eberle, I mean, Strom is not going to match Eberle's point production. Um, obviously, the, the money saving was the big thing there. Let's see what Strom gets to by the end of the year. If, if he can maybe get to 40, then at least he's... Uh, and I know he's not on pace for that, but if he can get to 40, 45, then maybe it's it's at least okay. Yeah, if he gets to 40, he's covered his bet and then some, but, like, he's never trended as that, so that's kind of the problem there. It's like, if you can get a third-line centerman for that Everly contract who's trending as 40 and kind of holds his own, by all means, you've done well, but... Strom's never really been that, and it looks like he's not going to be that. So that's kind of the, again, the frustrating part about the trade is that the history before that doesn't show like he's going that way, yet you still make pursue that option as, oh, maybe he turns it around when really, like the Reinhardt trade, there's nothing there to tell you that this is, you know, outside of Strom being drafted high, there's nothing there he's shown so far that he's yeah, yeah. I, I think when you look at it, I, I think the, the Reinhardt one is going to hurt a lot more than than the Strom Eberle one. I, well, I think not only this year, I think if, if Barzell plays anything in the future like we saw him the other night, he's going to be a very, very good player for a long, long time. And Griffin Reinhardt uh, just got waived and not another team in the National Hockey League wanted him by the loss of there's other calls you have. I'll let you guys get to them. Keep up. And, yeah, glad they're winning again. So oh. hopefully keep up. All right. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Good questions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, the, and I think Matt knows this. Evaluating in hindsight is always yeah. a, a little easier for sure. And and again, I don't know. And Bob has brought this up. I I don't know if the Oilers would have drafted Barzell. I think they like Joel Erickson Eck quite a bit, who is a big you know center for the Minnesota Wild. So. Fair comments. Sometimes you got to wait a, a long time, but I mean, we now know you got Reinhardt, and you got no. If you don't have Reinhardt, you don't have anybody that, else. That one's pretty that, easy that to assess. Pre- that right one's now. pretty cut and dry to yeah. assess right now. Strom had a, a fifty-point season uh, three years ago in fourteen fifteen. Then he really dropped off twenty-eight and seventy-one last year. He had thirty and sixty-nine, so that wouldn't have been forty, unlikely, at that pace. And now again, he doesn't. He, he doesn't have any wingers either. He's well, had it worse than Nugent Hopkins. If, if Strom is your third line center, he's not getting forty points. Well, right. He, there, there's no chance he's going to get forty points because right now your second line center, Nugent Hopkins, the last couple of years is barely getting to fifty. So a fourth line, a third line center is not getting forty because it's a trickle down effect. We're having a trouble right. finding wingers for your first line. Then the second line doesn't have anyone. Well, the third line, guess what? You're not getting offensive prowess. So Strom had an opportunity to play in the top six as a right winger and did not play well enough. That is 
what, 12, 13, 14 games into his Edmonton Oilers career. He's a young kid. He's going to get other opportunities. That's not the last time you're going to see him in the top six. He just has to, when he gets his next opportunity, show more. And then he could possibly be a 40, 50, or 60-point guy if he gets top six minutes. 8.42, Oilers beat the Devils 3-2 in overtime. Japanese Village goal light will be turned on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com whenever they score five or more in a game, which they did a couple of times on the recent homestand. Then you can go to the website, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, north side. Matthew on line three. Go ahead, buddy. Hi. Hello. Yeah, I, I just think they um I the the second line the second hand scoring came in mm-hmm. and the I noticed a trend that that when they get that that's when they start winning games so um I think that really helped them tonight Lucic started playing a bit better Klepeshev got his first and then well you can't can't really beat McDavid and Drysdale in overtime so. Yeah, well, they're pretty deadly. And Rob and I, now this overtime went on a long time. Rob and I also always like, okay, win the faceoff. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, yeah. you know, you might, you, might, you might get the first scoring opportunity and it might be a two-on-one and it might go in. Matthew, have you, uh, you, you don't sound like you're uh, you're a very old guy. Did you Do you remember Rob Brown playing, first of all? Um, no. I, I don't think so. No. He's not that old. Probably, probably, no, not very many people are. Uh, <laughs> do, do you like the th- Matthew? Clearly, you've seen the change though from four on four to three on three with the shootout added. Do you do you like the do you like three on three and do you like the shootout? Well, I like three on three. I think it's really exciting. But well, the, sh- the shootouts—it's just not as much of a team effort. So that's what a lot of people say, and that, uh, like I agree with that. Yeah, good point. Thanks for calling, Matthew. 780-496-0063. Although with the Oilers, there actually may be more players that get to play in a shootout than get to go (laughs) three-on-three with McDavid and Drysaddle. Three guys would get to shoot. (laughs) They haven't had a shootout yet. Is it going to be McDavid, Latestu, and Drysaddle, do you think, once we get going? Once they get one? It would be in my mind. I mean, I I don't even think there's any other player that would come into the equation. Yeah, I think you'd still give Nuge a shot if you went to a fourth Maybe guy. Maybe your fourth guy. He was guy. having a good game. Maybe. Um, I remember at one point the others had about seven or eight guys you could think they would take. Gagne, Everly. Yeah, Hall. Hall. Yeah, they, they were pretty good. Yakupov at one well, point. Well, he only took a couple. But yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> was usually in trouble by then. Martin Rinchin got a shootout goal once. Remember that one? No. That was against uh, was it against Boston? One we must have gone deep. Was, oh yeah, it was a long shoot. And then well, then Klinkhammer got that one that one against San Jose that went eleven or twelve rounds. That's true too. He got the game deciding goal that one night. Anyway, he he might be playing for Canada at the that's Olympics. That's right. That's so by Ben Scrivitz. Wow, <laughs> that's going to be incredible. Oilers win three two over the Devils in overtime. The one thing about the three on three is. It, it clearly can be frantic end-to-end action. Mm-hmm. And when the three-on-three first came in, it was often like that right at the beginning. But now we've seen teams... I mean, you almost need a shot clock because teams will just circle back, not shoot. It's it's like the action doesn't initiate until there's that first shot that misses the net. But when a team does have... Both teams did it twice today. Had the puck and mm-hmm. skated back to their own blue line and said, okay, no, we'll just start over, take it back in. And then, But you're right. Once the first 
shot happens, then everything, then it's go, it's it's whoever gets the puck to go into the net because both teams are going to get chance after chance. It's funny, I met a when they first came up with us, there was an AJHL coach that talked. He said, you know what, we had it in our league. You yep. know, the, everyone's going to be excited about it, but trust me, it gets boring. You start to learn how to defend it. I'm like, well, no one's learned how to defend it yet because it, uh, sad but true, it is at times the most exciting part of a hockey game. And, and it's nonstop when you've got the best players in the world with all that room on the ice. Uh, it... I mean, most, I mean, the stadium, they're probably all on their feet the entire time holding their breath, especially in, in New Jersey tonight. They were holding their breath for a long, long time as the Oilers had complete control for about three and a half minutes. So the Oilers take it 3-2 in OT. Dreisaitl gets the game winner. McDavid and Russell had the assist as we check the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. The Flames up 4-2 on Detroit. That's late in the second period. Philadelphia beats Chicago 3-1. The Wild shut out the Canadians 3-0. Coyotes and Blues 2-2. They're going to a shootout. I'd pick Tarasenko. <laughs> uh, I'd let him shoot. I guess you'd pick, let that Keller kid shoot for Arizona. He's on fire. I've never even heard of the kid, and he's having a great, great year. He's, he's probably the leading candidate for Rookie of the Year right now. Can and the Calgary Flames, Yarmir Yager, oh, I think, just go. scored his first goal as a Calgary Flame. First goal he has ever scored that you did not assist on. Well, I made him what he is, just like I made Mario, Francis, name any other player, I'll tell you. Canucks and Ducks 1-1 late in the first. Lightning and Kings, that is a good matchup. Only four losses combined. Uh, they're scoreless about five minutes in. Well, two teams that... Ellie didn't make the playoffs last year either, did they? No. So two teams that were out of the playoffs last year that are two of the most oh, dominant yeah. teams in the National Hockey League this year. Thursday night football, Seattle 15, Arizona 10. They're in the third quarter. All right, we got Brandon who's going to finish the play. So, Brandon, you're going to get an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. But first, what's on your mind? Uh, first things first is I would like to talk about uh, a little bit, uh, a few different options there. Um, as far as like how uh, play goes, like let's get it going. Um, how about uh, Ron Nugent Hopkins centering, and we put McDavid on the right side, left side, whatever, dry sidle. Um, anything, anything makes that up, but uh, I think Ryan Newton Hopkins has earned his way into uh, a first line, uh, at least power play role, let alone get him on every every face off that we can. He, he's working hard, he's, he's doing what he can. So, well, so, you want those three guys in the same power play, you said, Brandon? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'd love to see that. The problem with that is if you do that, then you have absolutely no second power play. Well, no, you don't have a second second line center. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so, which, which I mean, everybody's got to step up and find a way to uh, play every position, right? That's what makes a great team is is having people that can fill every position when needed. Yeah, but if if you don't have that, you don't have that, and then you're not a great team. The others well, right now, they got McDavid and Drysaddle like playing with each other. And they have excess. Absolutely. And Nugent Hopkins right now is playing very, very well and being able to carry a line by himself at times. So I I don't think you change where Nugent Hopkins is. Maybe you look for someone else to play with him. But you you keep Drysaddle and McDavid together and you, you ride the fact that Nugent Hopkins is having a resurgence this year. And you hope that you can find a, a Slepyshev or a Kajula or possibly Puljujarvi from the minors to come up and add a little bit of offensive spark on his wing. But hey, you don't. What, what about this? What about 
to throw a dry saddle back on the second line to play center, take face off, and you got Nuge and, and McDavid on the first line. But but why would you do that if dry saddle and, and McDavid are playing uh, so well together? Because are they? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, we haven't we haven't seen chemistry. I mean, uh, between uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and and McDavid, we we don't know what that chemistry could be. Um, but you know what Drysaddle and McDavid do? Dreisaitl, yeah, yeah. They, has has Drysaddle got many points on the power play this year? What are you talking about power play? You talking about regular I'm, shift? I'm talking about no. I'm talking about power play. I'm just. Talking about well, players. they just split up the power plays a little while ago. McDavid and Drysaddle for four straight games didn't play together on the power play. Brandon, we're going to try to finish the play with you here. As much as I'm enjoying that debate, I think you guys could go all night. And we got other people on the line. Kellen, what do you have cooked up? Hayes never could get a shot away. Up the right-hand side for Benning. Chipped out to Nugent Hopkins. Over the line, Lucci. All right, Brandon, there was a second assist on that goal. Lucic from Nugent Hopkins. Was the other assist Cassian or Malone? Uh, second assist. Yeah, was second it... Second coming from... Was it Cassian or Malone? Come from Absolutely. Stay on the line. Kellen will take down your info. You win, finish the play. Uh, Eugene, Randy, Carl, you're up next in the batting order on the phone lines. Oilers win it 3-2 in OT, their second straight win. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30, the Oilers will have time for one last rush in OT. Right side for Drysaddle. McDavid's on the ice. Russell can't get it to him. He'll reset with 20 seconds to go. He gives it up for McDavid. He's got a breakaway. Pulls up centers. What time is score? This time it's McDavid to Drysaddle for the winner. Michaels with the call, the goal that decided it. 4.43 of overtime. Dry sidle from McDavid and Russell. Oilers beat the Devils 3-2. Rob Brown just pointing something out here on the game sheet. Chris Russell got the second assist. He did not get a plus on the play. He was, he'd gone to the bench and been replaced by Matt Benning by the time the goal went in. It's funny, because it's overtime... Benning would have just gone into the to the celebration normally, and and I'm sure it still is. They do it nowadays. They did when I played. If there was a change and a goal happened immediately after a change, the players, especially the defensemen, would go right back to the bench, and the two guys that were on for that entire shift would jump out there so that they would get their plus. All it was hilarious. On the, you'd be on the bench, and two guys would be on the ice. They'd be at the red line. You'd score. The two guys would come off very quickly. The two other guys that had been out there for the entire shift would jump on, so they get their plus. But in overtime, you're not going to the bench to change. You're all going to celebrate. But uh, you just mentioned Russell and Benning. Benning, I thought, had an outstanding game tonight for, for the Oilers. He played over 20 minutes tonight, had five hits, had five shots on net. And the beginning of the season, he struggled. But the, the big pairing that struggled for the Oilers was Larson and Clefbaum. They were supposed to be the steadying influence. They really, really struggled, and they broke those two up, and Nurse and Benning have settled down Larson and Clefbaum, which says a lot about uh, the faith that the coaching staff has in the two young players, but also the, the ability and the confidence that they exude 
and allows the star guys to go down there and play with them and pick their game up. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. I believe Carl was at the game tonight. Go ahead, Carl. Yes, I was. How are you doing tonight, fellas? Doing well. It's good to hear from you. Go ahead. Hi, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had a question. I was at the game tonight, and I, I noticed that Darnell Mish has looked better than he's ever been. Um, he looks really tight in his play. But I had a question about the speed. They're um, continually talking about the speed with the coaching staff. Patrick Maroon, do you guys think he looks a little slower this year? Um, and uh, as well as Milan Lucic, do you think those guys could be holding up the team when it comes to the speed issue? And I guess I have two kind of questions. That's number one. And then number two is, what type of moves do you foresee uh, Chiarelli making in the not-too-distant future um, to try to make this team better? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I, I think Maroon and Lucic are, are the same speed as they were last year. Yep. But, yes, they are, they are not fast players, so they have to really work to get into position and be efficient with the puck. And that's been uh, Lucic's weakness this year is, is the play just inside his own blue line because he, he isn't playing quick enough to get the pucks and get pucks out. But I, I, I don't think they're slower than last year. I think they're the same. No, and... and Peter Shirelli, when he brought players like them in, when they brought a Cassian in, uh, even a Larson, they brought them in to play in the Western Conference. The Western Conference isn't as fast, isn't as skilled as the Eastern Conference. And we saw in the playoffs going against San Jose, going against Anaheim, big, strong, mean, physical teams, that's when the Lucic and the Maroon and the Cassian, that's when they found their game against those type of teams. And that's why they're here. So are they as fast? As uh, their line mates, no, and it's not even close. But there's other attributes that they have, and that's why they were brought here. What was the second question? Uh, short-term moves. I mean, if we're talking short-term, it'd be, I, I think it would be a call-up. Yep, that's it. I don't... Well, I mean, there's one move that's going to happen in the next month, probably, is they're going to get a top-four defenseman back. I mean, what, Zekra is Zekra skating. hopefully in December comes yes. back. So that, that is a, a move that you're making without having to do anything because you're getting a very good defenseman back which allows you to move a Benning and or a Nurse, one of those two down, and all of a sudden you're much deeper. Yeah. And the way it's going right now, if Russell being in your third pairing, if it is a Benning that goes down, now your third pairing is a, is a Russell and a Benning. That is a very good third pairing, considering at one point this year it was Ovitu and Greiber. Or they might put Russell and Sekera back together. True. Since they were familiar with each other. I would not trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if anybody's going to ask. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, back to the, your phone calls. After the news here, Oilers beat the Devils 3-2 in OT. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Joined by our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown, as the Oilers have defeated the New Jersey Devils 3-2 in overtime. Finally, the Oilers have won back-to-back games. They've actually won three of their last four. The one loss in there, that stinker against Detroit on Sunday. They're going to play the New York Rangers. That's an 11 a.m. face-off here on 6.30. Chad will have the face-off show at 9.30 in the morning. The scoring today, Brian Boyle scored in the first period for the Devils. Slepeshev in the second for Edmonton. Stafford got a late second period goal for Jersey. Lucic tied it three and a half minutes into the third, and then Dreisaitl 
at 4.43 of overtime. Brilliant setup by McDavid and the Oilers go to 6-8-1 and one on the season. 780-496-0063 is how you reach us on the open line and we have Eugene calling in. Hi, Eugene. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. A uh, question, I guess, is for our secondary scoring. I know tonight we got secondary scoring from Lucic and Slepeshev and it hasn't really been there this season and Elliot Friedman in the last few days has been talking about the Oilers being the next to make a trade, and, and I've heard rumors of talking about getting like Vander Kane or Chris Kreider and, or Rick Nash, and Shirley was at the Rangers game the other night. I just wonder what you guys think on that speculation, if the Oilers actually do try to make a move to bolster up their top nine or top six to get some more scoring down the road. I, I just don't know what they trade. Like, if yeah, you're, if you're trading to get uh, someone of that... Stature. I mean, those are pretty good hockey players. Like well, very it depends good hockey players. On the, uh, is, I'm looking it up, Change, Eugene. Is, is, what's Kreider's contract? Do you remember, Eugene? I'm looking it up here. Um, I'm not sure if it's... If Kane's unrestricted. This year. Yeah. yeah, I think the UFA this, this summer. Well, Kreider has, two, Kreider has two more years after okay, this one. Okay, so Kreider's two yeah. and Kane's this is a UFA. Kane's yeah. UFA, So yeah. Kane, Kane you can get for draft picks, I would imagine. Yeah. Kreider, I, I mean, he's a good hockey player with two more years left. I, I don't know. What, I mean, Would I, you is, trade like a Bear or Jones? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know enough about them. And is that oh, their prospect D, right? Yeah, they're prospect D. Are they good? Are they good enough to get a, a Kreider's good? I, I yeah, honestly, I have no idea. What I mean, you're not giving up anything established because the others don't have enough depth to no. give up an established player. So it's got to be draft picks or prospects. And now I could see to get an Evander Kane, you can give up draft picks and prospects, but I don't. I, I just think it's way too early to trade for a guy who's an unrestricted free agent. Because you you could do that, and what if the Oilers lose, get injured, and Talbot gets hurt, or McDavid gets hurt, and all of a sudden you have a lost season, you gave up prospects for a guy you're going to lose at the end of the year and you're not going to the playoffs anyways. I think that's why everyone sees where they are in February, March, right around the deadline, and then they decide if it's worth giving up prospects to get a player that's going to be a rental. I, I do think, Eugene, and I'll, and I'll let you see what you think here, that this might be the year, though, where the Oilers, depending on where they are, where they might do something where they're a buyer, right, where they add a UFA and yeah. maybe a prospect or the pick goes the other way. If there's ever – because when they were horrible, well, why would you trade a yeah. high pick or a prospect? But now maybe if they do move up in the standings or they're fighting for a playoff spot in February – maybe th- this is the year, right? Now, James yeah, Neal might not be available yeah. if, if Vegas is going to the playoffs. No, and I agree yeah, with gotta, that. I guess, I guess you got to wait, yeah. I, I just don't see them making a move right now for a guy who's an unrestricted free agent at season's end. I think there's so much that could happen between now and, and late in the season to make a move where you're giving up prospects. What I wonder, though, Eugene... Because a lot of Shirelli's trades we haven't seen coming. Okay, the Talbot one we kind of thought might happen. Hall for Larson, I won't say it was out of nowhere, but there wasn't much talk about it until the day before it happened. The Maroon trade, I did, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't hear anything about it till it happened. There weren't right, rumors like, about that one. So could could Shirelli maybe make a depth move for a guy that would help the bottom six who's maybe fast and could kill penalties and there's lots of guys out there and, and maybe you could flip a, you know one of your depth guys or a farmhand for somebody who needs somebody like that. Maybe something like that will kind of come out of left field a little bit where it's like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, whatever, he'll play fourth line with Letestu and Cassian and help out a bit. And the other thing I'm surprised with yet, I, I, I would have bet the farm that Chris Kelly would have been signed by now. I mean, he's been around here. He's practiced with the team. Yamamoto was here, and he was taking up a spot. Once he was mm-hmm. gone, and you didn't have to worry about his contract, 
I thought that was going to be... There's a bottom-depth forward type guy who can penalty kill. I'm surprised that he wasn't signed. But some of the stuff, Eugene, I mean, I, I, if you listen to me at all, you know I don't talk about trade rumors a lot because you can go in circles. But, you know, I saw some of the stuff, oh, Slepyshev, Jokinen. I mean, what are you, like, what are you getting, really? Especially, you don't get much for like, that. It's Slepyshev's, unfortunately, he's shown that like, he might be able to play second or third line, but then he, get, then he gets injured all the time. And you're not getting much for Jokinen coming back. No, he, he's a guy at the end of his career. Yeah. yeah, he struggled, for sure. Thanks, Eugene. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, all right, back to New Jersey. Here's a guy the Oilers did trade for a couple of years ago. It's Zach Cassian. How good does that feel to kind of get that monkey off your back? Yeah, it's huge. It's it's crazy to think that was our first one of the year. I think it's important for us to to continue uh, on this road trip to to be the team we can be. If if we can build momentum on this road trip and head home uh, for those two games, uh, we put ourselves in a pretty good spot after uh, considering all the, the circumstances. So it was a big win tonight, uh, but uh, half the road trip's over. We still got to keep going. Uh, you guys, the team talked about playing the right way this morning, not getting caught into playing fire wagon hockey with a quick team like this does it feel more rewarding to to execute the game plan and be rewarded with two points yeah well, it, was a, it was a good game i think we started off a little slow we came back strong uh, we took some penalties we didn't want to but we got kills um that was a the big step uh, and, and we stuck with it uh, throughout the whole game we were in here in the third uh, going into the third down a goal didn't give up fought back and and it's definitely a good win definitely a, a win we can build off of finally you have 100 career points on your assist tonight uh, just what does that mean to you to get to that milestone yeah it's in that 99 for a long time but uh, it's definitely cool to get obviously I'm not uh, leaned upon to get too many points and stuff like that but it's definitely uh, it's definitely cool and uh, something that uh, maybe I can tell my kids one day (laughs) well and not a glamorous play Rob but you and I often talk about that area just inside your your blue line I mean Cassian made a simple pass to Nugent Hopkins who then turned on the Jets created a two-on-one and Lucic finishes well you and I've talked and there's been critique about Milan Lucic not getting a number of pucks out in that situation and Cassian not only gets it out but puts it in the right spot that Nugent Hopkins can go at full pace and he catches the defender the defender's not seeing that that's coming off the way it is and Cassian just puts it in an area where Nugent Hopkins doesn't have to miss stride and he goes in now he's got full speed puck on his stick and it's a two-on-one so Milan Lucic doesn't score a pretty goal from Nugent Hopkins if Cassian doesn't get the puck out. So a good play by Cassian, smart play. He got elevated minutes with an injury and took full advantage of it. 3-2, the Oilers win in overtime over New Jersey. We have Kent from Ottawa calling in tonight. Kent, thanks for staying up late in the East. Yeah, actually, I made it to the game tonight. Um, I was in in New Jersey for business. And anyways, I just... uh, just some impressions, I guess. Was um, I thought Benning was just atrocious in the first couple of periods, and I don't know what was going on with the team generally. But I thought, I mean, the first period was awful. The second period was really terrible, and then there was like this kerfuffle at the end of the second, and they came back and they just looked composed and sort of playing the kind of hockey that I think they need to be playing, which is like not overexerting, like not really being super aggressive and taking chances, but just really careful and calm and just waiting for the other team to make their mistake and then taking advantage. Like, that's the kind of hockey that I think the Oilers need to play most of the time unless it really just opens up and they're having one of those special nights where, you know, McDavid gets a gazillion points or whatever. 
Um, I thought Lucic was really, really good tonight, and I haven't been a fan of him so much on this team to date. But I guess those, those are just my observations. In terms of a trade, which I heard you guys just talking about, I mean, the one trade that I'm afraid of, and I know he's getting offers because he's an asset and a value contract, is Darnell Nurse. Like, I know there's a lot of people that have been after Nurse for a long time. I'm not saying that's something that's going to happen. That would be the trade that I wouldn't want to happen, that I couldn't see possibly happening just because I know he'd be in demand and his contract is, you know, a value contract at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Ken. I, I don't think Peter Shirley no. wants to trade Darnell Nurse. Because of the same reason. He's valued and he's got a value contract. And he's getting better. I, yes. I, he's actually started the season better than I thought he would. I agree. He's still... I mean, he's been pretty good in his own end. He's been good rushing the puck. He's better at distributing the puck. I think he still needs to get better. I mean, he missed a guy. I can't remember who it was, but he made a great rush and then missed an open guy in the slot. But it's not all the time. I mean, he'll he'll keep... It's very promising, I think. Oh, I agree. I I don't see them... I don't see them moving any of their top-end players because the Oilers aren't deep enough to be able to move top-end players right now to get something coming back. And so. quite frankly, not a lot of teams are. No, no I mean, you're right. That's, that's the thing. Well, like, I mean, the expansion, I mean, took players away from a lot of teams. There's some pretty good players that Las Vegas picked up yep. that would look really good on the teams that they came from. Um, the Yeah, I... We, we, we saw in the playoffs last year, you make the playoffs, anyone can make the finals. And the, and the Nashville Predators showed that, that there's no superpowers anymore. I mean, the Pittsburgh Power Penguins, back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, but you go through their lineup, they've got weaknesses. And they were one bounce away from the Ottawa Senators going past them into the finals. And the first two games of the finals, Nashville should have won both of those. They outplayed Pittsburgh. So there's no superpowers anymore. Any team on any given night can win. And you, you've got to bring your A game and you've got to get some bounces. Tonight, I said to you in the first period, I believe this is the Edmonton Oilers' night because the New when Jersey... The guy missed the open net. The guy missed an open net. I said, you know what, the, they're getting the breaks. And there was a post came a little later. The breaks are coming for the Oilers tonight. This is their type of night. You need those breaks to be able to win hockey games. The Oilers got them tonight. It's 9-16. Oilers beat the Devils 3-2 in OT. We'll check the scoreboard. Some final thoughts when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 so on the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard, the Oilers beat the Devils 3-2 in overtime. The Lightning are beating L.A. 4-0. It's still in the first period. Kucherov has his 16th. My he, God, they're good. He, They are good, and that Kucherov is talented. And again, we don't see them enough, but the highlight goals that we see between him and Stamkos, unbelievable hockey players. Ducks and Canucks 1-1 in the second period. In the third, Calgary up 5-3 on Detroit. Yager gets his first as a flame. In a shootout, the Blues beat the Coyotes 3-2. Blues are 13-3-1. Coyotes are 2-13-3. I, I put my money on the Blues. But Is it over? It, yeah, they won on a shootout. Yeah, I gotta pay better attention to me. Go Blues. <laughs> That's why I gave the records. That's why I gave the updated record. Do you know Talkit? Uh, yeah, I, uh, guys, I was in L.A. with a little bit. You're okay. I was in L.A. with a little, a little bit. He, really nice guy. Very, very nice man. Wild over the Canadians, 3-0. Flyers beat Chicago, 3-1. 
Thursday night football in the fourth quarter. Seattle 22, Arizona 10. Russell Wilson made an incredible scramble and passed to Doug Baldwin for a log game that you'll be seeing on the highlights if you missed it. All right, so the Oilers uh, figure this one out. They're, they kill some penalties tonight. They get a couple uh, breaks where New Jersey missed chances. The Oilers actually uh, perfect 4-for-4 four four on the penalty kill after going 3-for-3 three three last game. They continue to be a bit of a different team on the road. Talbot solid again. Lucic and Slepeshev cash in. Slepeshev, though, did not finish the game, so that injury bothers him again. I wouldn't expect him to play against the Rangers or Capitals on the weekend. We'll see if they call somebody up, Pugliarvi, Ratty, or uh, whether they're going to put Kara back in the lineup and, and shake things up from there. Yeah, I, and it, I feel right now for, for Jujar Kara as it has not been the start to his uh, season and guys getting called up from the minors playing ahead of him and possibly another player getting called up to play ahead of him. I, I would expect an offensive player to get called up from th- the minors to fill a role in the top six. And it, and if it's Pooley Arvey, it doesn't necessarily mean he has to stay. No. Oh, no. Right? He can still, it doesn't wreck his development if maybe he's got to fill in for a week or two. Like, it doesn't appear to be serious with Slepeshev, but obviously it's it's bugging him. Yeah, it's bugging him, and he, they're not giving him, or he's not taking the right amount of time yet. I guess it'd be he's not taking the right amount of time right now to let it heal. Um, and sometimes you need an opportunity. Pulley Arvey, through injury, could get an opportunity. Now, this is just you and I spitballing because we know have no idea who will be playing, but it will not be Kajula, it will not be Slepeshev, and they need someone to step up on the top two lines. Because right now, if I'm an Edmonton Oiler, I want to play with Ryan Nugent Hopkins because he's playing very well. Yeah, he's dri- he's driving the play. He's initiating stuff with, with uh, plays with speed and with passes. Mm-hmm. And a caller made a great point last game. I mean, how many points does Nugent Hopkins have? If, if he's, he's got a couple guys who can finish a, a little better. And, and and to be fair, Lucic is playing better the yes, last yes. four or five games. Nugent Hopkins, uh, you know, respectable 11 points in mm. 15 games. Very good. I mean, for a team that's got a poor power play, so they're not a lot of power play points. And the the goal that Lucic scored, I mean, it was a great play by Cassian getting the puck to Nugent Hopkins. But Nugent Hopkins, with on full speed, without missing a stride, a li- nice little deft little backhand pass, saucer pass, right on Lucic's stick. Yep. And, and, and he caught the defender uh, leaning towards him. He throws it over there. Lucic has all the time in the world. And I'll, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times, five hole is a great place to put the puck because the goaltenders are all taught to take the lower corners away. Lucic is as good as anyone on the Oilers is going five hole. He's got a heavy shot. He found the spot, and he beat Schneider for a huge goal in the third period. And good burst of speed by Nugent Hopkins because the Devils probably thought they had that well defended for a two-on-two, and then Nugent Hopkins makes it a two-on-one. Yeah, and that's the what we were talking about. McDavid has that extra gear, and it's a gear that no other player in the NHL has, but Nugent Hopkins does also. That when he comes up, you don't expect him to be as fast as he is, and he goes right by you. Rob, I'll see you Saturday morning. Sounds good. Our next broadcast, 9.30 a.m. Saturday for the face-off show. The game, Oilers at Rangers, will start at 11. Don't forget, Kissin' Country 103.9 has the West semifinal Sunday afternoon. 1.30 countdown to kickoff, 2.30 for the start of the game. Eskimos at Blue Bombers. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Oilers take it in OT. Dry sidle, a beauty from McDavid. 3-2 over the Devils. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening.